Good morning, first service. How are we today? Uh, I'm excited to be here with you this morning. I actually was not supposed to be here with you this morning, but nonetheless, I'm up here on stage and we're beginning a new series that I've been excited about since we started planning our series earlier uh, or at the end of last year. You know, the past few weeks, we've been discussing a series called Structure. And kind of to start our year, we've been talking about some things that we can take on as a body, as a church, together, that we can implement into our lives to make this the type of community that we want to be a part of. And it has been really good. It's been exciting for us on the teaching team, and I've enjoyed getting to walk through that and kind of set some goals for ourselves going into this year. I hope that our year reflects, um, you know, those things that we've talked about the first few weeks of the year. But... There is a danger in that, and this is something that we've um, become pretty aware of within the teaching team, within the staff, and even in conversations with you guys. There's a danger in only planning for what we want to do as a church as a whole and not talking about ourselves as individuals. Um, and that's kind of something we pride ourselves on here, and that's something that we take very seriously at Vertical Church. If you've been here for any amount of time, you know that we do not shy away from conversations when it comes to our personal lives. And so going into this series, Anxiety's Attack, we want to be very careful about letting you know that uh, we're, we're just a little quick on that. <laughs> Perfect. We want to be very careful about letting you know that as we go into this series, we don't want to choose distraction, and we don't even want to choose our own diligence in getting things done, right? We want to be very careful in naming the things that bring on anxiety. And so jumping into this, I want to give some credit to our church, give credit where credit is due. One of my favorite things when I first came on staff was getting to learn about the things that were going on in individuals' lives. One of the most attractive parts of taking the job here was what was going on in the lives of the men here. I'd been in a couple of churches before I came on staff here, and uh, none of the men in any of these churches seemed to take this very seriously. And when I came and interviewed at Vertical, I learned some really hard questions that were being asked of the men in this community, and they were actually answering these questions. That was new. That was different. Questions that have kind of become famous in some of the circles around here, and they've gone from the lives of the men and many families and into their spouses and into their kids. Some of these questions showed up like this. What do you want? That's a hard question. It can be a little ambiguous. What do I want? I don't, I don't really know. What do I want in this moment? What do I want overall? Well, let's define that a little more. Another question that was asked, and this caught my attention, what are you afraid of? That's a little scarier. But showing up here at Vertical Church and hearing men, grown men who have lives and families, answer that question, what are you afraid of? What makes you anxious? That was attractive to me. And so we're getting past this space of what do we want? Well, I want what everybody else says I should want. What are you afraid of? Everything. And answering these questions for ourselves. So if I was to stop right now and give you the next 26 and change to answer those questions, how do you think you would answer that? I'm not going to ask you to do that. That's okay. Anybody getting anxious at my talking about anxiety? That's okay. It's fine. We'll push forward. I'm going to go ahead and put this up here because I believe it is a fact that we need to state going into this. Anxiety has become as much a part of our lives as the iPhone or Netflix. Anxiety is just a part of our lives. It's, it's part of who we are now. It revolves around, our whole lives revolve around it. And it's, it's in the news and it's, you know, in the things that we're taking in. 
A couple of points that we've pointed out early is that at this point in time where we find ourselves in 2022, anxiety is atmospheric. For those of you who are taking down notes, you may remember and even recall Anxiety popped up maybe a couple of years ago whenever COVID first became a thing, and there was good reason for it. People were getting sick, and we weren't exactly sure what we were looking at. But for so many of us now, anxiety has taken on a whole lifestyle of its own. And it doesn't really matter the cases. It doesn't really matter the numbers. Maybe we're not even looking at them anymore, but anxiety is a part of our lives that is so atmospheric that it has gone past the sickness or even illness that we were talking about two years ago. It's become a lifestyle. And it's worked its way into our news cycles. And it's worked our way into the way that we talk to our kids and even the way that we talk with our family members that we may not have seen in a long time. Anxiety is atmospheric to the point that it is a part of our lives that we deal with every morning when we first power up that iPhone. Anxiety is also big business, right? I'll prove it to you. Tucker Carlson or Anderson Cooper, you can take your pick or pick your poison, Tucker Carlson's net worth is about $30 million, and Anderson Cooper's is about $200 million, and essentially they are in the exact same business spinning up our anxiety. This should be a point of spiritual warfare in all of our lives that our enemy will use whatever we consume to consume us, and when both of those men are dead and gone, there will be somebody else ready to take their positions to use our anxiety to make a few dollars. For you and I, we must understand that anxiety is something now in this point in life that sells, and we buy it repeatedly, whether we call it by that or not. But what I want to make the point of as we jump into this today, as we jump into this series called Anxiety's Attack that we can all get on board with is that to some extent, whether we are aware of it or not, anxiety is blocking us from knowing God. Be it big or small, whether we call it worry, whether we call it doubt, whether we name it anxiety, or never, whether we name it something else more clinical, anxiety has the potential and the propensity to block us from knowing God, who he says that he is, and who we've experienced him to be in the past. Jumping into this, God actually tells us a little bit about himself, and I love it when we get to dig in and say, oh, this is what God says about himself, because it's like, okay, great, we can, we can hinge our lives on that, right? In Isaiah 41, God says something really smart about himself, surprise. He says, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who says to you, fear not, I am the one that helps you. Let's just leave that up there for just a second. I'll be honest, in kind of preparing for teaching up here, and it was, you know, in a few brief hours, Ben was supposed to be up here this morning, and he's sick. I'm looking at this passage, and I was actually in the teaching team meeting. I was the one that actually kind of outlined this series, and I remember saying, like, yeah, that'd be a great verse to throw in that series. And then I was reading it, and I was like, dang, that's harder than it sounds. For I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. I know that has to be true. It is I who says to you, Austin, fear not, I am the one who helps you. But when anxiety has us under attack, I'm willing to tell you now, a few weeks after saying, yeah, this would be a great idea to throw in that series, I'm willing to tell you that when we are under anxiety's attack, this is a much harder thing to believe. I want to believe it, but it's hard. And that's probably for one or two reasons. Number one is circumstantial. 
You may find yourself here and you're like, Austin, I don't know if you've had the same sort of week that I've had. Maybe you haven't had the same sort of year that I've had so far. But my circumstances don't dictate that God is in control and he cares about me. I would love to say that that's true, but I'm having a hard time believing that. And that's perfectly fair. In just a second, we're going to get to Jesus' own words on our circumstances and when anxiety shows itself in those circumstances. The second reason that we may be having a hard time believing that is pride. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, this is where I experience the most anxiety in my life. I have a bad habit of letting my pride introduce anxiety because I refuse to believe that God is the one at the helm and that I should be okay with that. Anybody else in the room? I find myself there more often than not, and so often my pride introduces my own anxiety. We'll see one of Jesus' friends talk about that in just a moment. But very from the beginning, from the start, where we're going to spend the bulk of our morning is, I would like to talk to the people who say my circumstances are what introduce my anxiety. Now, what you need to understand before I hop into this passage, that where Jesus is kind of giving his own little talk on this, is that this is within the context of a much bigger sermonette that Jesus is giving. These are only 13 verses in a section of about 60 verses. But I think it's very beautiful that Jesus took the time to address our anxiety, and even his, for these 13 sentences. And so as we start, I'm just going to kind of break this down bit by bit. Because I want, us to, I want us to actually see what Jesus has to say. Notice from the very beginning, Jesus does not leave much room for a victim mentality in this scripture. I think that there's a reason that he does that. As we jump into Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25, it says this. This is Jesus speaking. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, Austin. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Pause. Now, if you're here and your inner critic is kicking up about like mine was at 8 o'clock last night, I'm reading this scripture and I'm saying, yeah, Jesus, life is more than the food that I'm going to eat or what I put on my body. But I think we can take note, those are pretty important things. If I'm not that worried about what I'm putting on my body, I may get arrested. And I happen to be pretty partial to food. God, these are important things, and what we need to note here is don't let this part, this beginning of this passage, throw you off. Really, what Jesus is saying here is, yes, these are important things, but there are much bigger things on the grand scale of what I have planned for you. So know that I'm going to take care of even these basic things, your food and your clothing. Don't let that be the point where you jump ship. There are more important things coming. Make sure you look at the whole picture, and so because Jesus tells us this, we'll continue reading. He goes on and says this, Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and your heavenly Father feeds them. They're not planning for the future. He just feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your lifespan? See, what we need to understand right here is that in the battle with anxiety that you and I struggle with on a regular basis, there is a front to this war called value. And when you and I begin to question whether or not we have value, we are putting ammunition into the enemy's tanks. 
For you and I, we need to understand that God values us. He has already given us that by giving us his word and sending his son. We cannot doubt our value to God or we have already lost the battle. He says, if I care for these these birds that aren't even planning for the future, how much more do I care for you? He goes on and says, and why are you anxious about your clothing? This pops back up. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor they spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon, the wisest of kings, in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, it's fleeting, it's passing, he will not much, or will he not much more clothe you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I think that this brings up a really important thing that's going to help us all kind of come together over this idea of anxiety today. Notice these questions that show up. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? I want to know, what questions does your anxiety prompt? Whenever you're thinking and you're, and you're worrying and maybe it's in your car when you have no other time to yourself and you're actually getting to think through your day, maybe it's early in the morning and you're journaling or you're reading, what questions does your anxiety prompt? I think that that will give us a telltale sign to the questions that we actually have about God. Where does your anxiety lead you? What do you worry about? I would be willing to say that those are the things that we have a hard time trusting God with. At least that's the way it works out in my life. God, I have real anxiety over finances. Well, Austin, have you given me your finances? God, I have real anxiety over my relationships with my family. Well, Austin, have you entrusted your relationships with your family to me? God, I have real anxiety about what's going on next week. Have you given this next week to me? More often than not, the answer to those questions are no. And my questions are spinning up out of a place of my not giving these things to him yet. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. It says, since he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else that we need? It would be kind of a funny thing for God to be like, hey, I'm going to give you my son, but everything else, you've got it covered. (laughs) So often I walk through my day, and that's exactly how I feel about this. And maybe that's because this is a pattern that other people have showed us in the past, Hey, Austin, I'm going to get you to 18, but after that, we're kind of done. Hey, Austin, I'm going to hang out with you for this first semester of college, but after that, the relationship, God's not like that. God doesn't give you a set amount of dates. He gave us his son to sustain us, but there's also so much more that comes with this relationship. We need to understand that in our interactions with him. He goes on, for the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. What a beautiful, simple statement in that, in that God knows what you need. He knows better than you and I what we need. He knows the things that we aren't anxious about that we probably would do well to be anxious about. So often we forget this fact that just because it's important in my present frame of mind, God knows what we actually need and he is already tending to those things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Right here we're primarily concerned with the reigning and the ruling of God. 
So often when we're, we're praying to God and our anxiety is kicking up, we forget about the stature that God takes and, and where he presently is. One of our foundational beliefs is that God is presiding over everything going on around us, yet that those thoughts are so quickly fleeting whenever our anxiety kicks up. Don't forget where God is and the position that he is in, Austin. He closes like this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day, for the day is that its own trouble. And what I love about this is that Jesus points out that as far as anxiety goes, it actually lives in the future. Its primary place of residence is in the future. And that's exactly how the enemy sinks his hooks into us because the future is just out of our control. And Satan wants you worried about something that you cannot control and something that you're convinced God can't control. And that's why he oftentimes points us to the future and makes us worry about that. In reaction to that, Jesus says, don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's not his, it's mine. I've got it taken care of. And I've got you in my hand. As we go there, we're reading this verse and we see, okay, Jesus, I, I want to be able to pray these things, Right? I want to be able to pray, hey, God, I've got enough to focus on right now, and I'm going to let you work on the rest. Does anybody else have a hard time praying that prayer? I do. I haven't prayed that once this week. So how do we get here? How do we get to this place where we can pray like this and say, God, I, I have so much going on. I'm focusing on this, but I trust that the rest of it is in your hand. Well, luckily... All of these things are beautiful imagery by Jesus. And we would be fine if that's all that we had. But that's not all that we have. So often we see in the Bible that Jesus gives his, his perspective, which is both human and God, but then it's followed up by a man who has struggles, as Jesus did, but also isn't God, so struggles the way that we do. One of my favorite is Peter one of Jesus' best friends, because so often I see Peter and he's looking at Jesus and he's watching what Jesus does and he's like, yeah, all right. And he has to kind of come to this conclusion for himself. And I, and I actually get that a lot because so often I read things that Jesus says and I'm like, yeah, all right, I guess we'll figure it out. Peter says this though, and I love this. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Beautiful in and of itself. Be sober-minded, be watchful, because your adversary the devil prowls around roaring like a lion, seeking somewhere to devour, keeping them out there looking at the future, keeping them trapped. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by the brotherhood throughout the world. There are other people in this same position as you. We are living life together, and we need to remember that other people are suffering in this way. And after you have suffered for a little while, ouch, the God of all grace who has called you into his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you this is this is a hard thing for me to picture this is a lot of words that peter is throwing at us and so for just a second i would like for you to pay attention to this illustration that we're throwing up here if you look at these actions that we are supposed to be taking 
This is kind of like a calling card for all the things that our society would make fun of us for. And whenever I see Peter calling us to these things, I'm saying, these are kind of hard. It's hard to be humble. It's hard for me to cast my anxiety on God. It's hard for me to be sober-minded. There's lots of things taking my distract or trying to distract me. And it's hard to resist these things. But this is exactly what Peter is calling us to. And what I love about this is these are all things that we are capable of in the context of community. Again, one of the things that was so attractive to me about Vertical Church when I first came here is that I saw this in the lives of men. And these are not things that you often see in the lives of men. Men who are humble. Men who are aware of their anxieties and sharing them with other people. Men who are sober-minded, who are thoughtful. And men who are resisting temptation. And then we see the way that people are able to do this within the context of community. Because yes, suffering is temporary, but suffering is so much more easily done whenever we are together. And what I love about Peter's passage here, what he writes is that, hey, Austin, I'm not just going to call you to be humble. I'm not just going to call you to be sober-minded. I'm not going to just call you to be watchful. But I'm also going to do you a favor and give you God's to-do list. God will restore. God will confirm. God will strengthen and God will establish you. He's not just leaving you out there with your anxiety to fight your own battle. He's also telling you what he has promised to do for you. Each of these actions are something that modern society would mock, but they are something that we have been called to in reaction to what God is currently doing for us. And so over the next few weeks, we're introducing this idea of anxiety. And we're kind of looking at it as a case study of anxiety as you look at Scripture. Look at it this way. Today we're talking about anxiety, mild anxiety that we all have. Next week, Ben will be back, and he's going to talk about moderate anxiety from his own life, his own personal story. Here's where anxiety has showed up in my life and how I've dealt with it. Week three, I will be back up, and we're going to be talking about severe anxiety, things that we see therapists over, see that we see people that we see counselors over. And then week four, we will have somebody come in, and we're actually talking about their struggle with anxiety and what that looks like from a gray chair perspective. But for this morning, I just want you to know and I want to encourage you that as we're walking through this for the next few weeks, there's an important point that I've found in my own life and it is that without God, there is no victory over anxiety. So many of us, our own stories are aligned to the fact that we have tried to fight this thing for so long and the only reason that we're here is because we wound up realizing that there is no victory without God. There is no victory without God's people over this thing. And it's something that we are all being sold and dealing with every day. I love the words of John as we kind of close this morning. It says, Jesus says in John, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace, not in anything else. In the world you will have tribulation. There will be things that come up. But take heart because I have actually already overcome those things. And so this morning, as we're preparing for this next month and this idea of anxiety, I would ask you to answer those questions that we talked about at the beginning. What do you want? What do you want out of life? 
And what are you anxious about currently right now? What are you afraid of? What's bringing you anxiety? Our hope is that over the next few weeks, we will not only be able to answer those things, but we will know how to deal with those things based on his word. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this time that we get to spend together today. I thank you for Sundays where we get to come and we live in this community, God. Out of Sundays, there are so many different relationships and and friendships and even families that come out of a place like this. And it's based solely on the fact that you have promised us that you are our aid when anxiety comes up. It's based solely on the fact that you've promised us a community to live life with. You've promised us a place where we can belong and we can work through things like this, God. I pray for peace over the people of Vertical this morning, God, the ones who are experiencing this in a way that even they haven't experienced it before. Let this be a reminder to them that, God, you have already, you already overcome the world. That's a hard thing to remember when we're pacing through anxiety. That's a hard thing to remember when we're pacing through the trenches of life. God, when we're weak, we thank you that you are strong, and may this community be strong for those around us who need that. We love you, and we praise you, Father. Amen. We'll see you for week two next week, guys. Have a great week.